everybody. It is uh, Thursday, the 11th of July, 2019. This is Rappers in the Kitchen. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Tommy Bass, and I'm joined by joined with Neil McCulloch. Hello. Yeah, it's just, uh, again, just the two of us. Uh, Paco Rodriguez is still somewhere in the, the Spanish hills. Uh, uh, I think he's all right. I mean, he's he's been pretty active on social media, so oh, he's, been uh, he's not been kidnapped. He's, or he's that. been holding himself about Facebook, going, "Oh, look at me! I can walk about outside." Yeah, he's uh, he's been keeping up to date in the social media, and uh, our pal Danny Matthews is with him as well. So, uh, yeah, so uh, as at this moment, we know that they're not they've not been kidnapped, but you know, all can change. Uh, I think he's back on Monday, so maybe next week uh, he might he might be on, but. I Who doubt knows? it, he wouldn't have seen anything. So. He never sees anything when he's on anyway, you know? Anyway, yeah, as I said, so it's me and Neil this week. Uh, the show went up last week with just the two of us, which I think was successful. Um, I haven't looked at the numbers, but nobody's messaged the Facebook or Twitter um, pages to say that there was any problems, so... To be fair, would they really notice the difference? Yeah, probably not, <laughs> probably not. Um, we listened back to some of it, but, you know... Um, it was like the raw wraps in the kitchen. Not that um, when Paco's here and does it, it's like you know the most sophisticated. Uh, if anything, well I, if thing. anything, I did more editing than Paco ever does. <laughs> uh, probably, yeah, probably. Um, but yeah. So anyway, but yeah, it's uh, just the two of us this week. Um, but shit, we uh, there was, there's been a lot of stuff. Uh, me and you, uh, you and I have went and watched the cinema, and it's, uh, been, it's been a weird week because yeah. a lot of those stuff came out on a Wednesday for some reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, there's a lot of stuff coming up, like uh, like just classic films that are on. Like uh, I mean, Groundhog Day was on the other day. Me and you're going to watch Jaws, or you and I are going to watch Jaws on Saturday, and then you've got the uh, the fight. Well, the final cut. The fight, the new cut. The fight, of well, I think it's now. the final cut of Apocalypse Now. Yeah, uh, but that's like in August, so that's a wee while away. I also, I saw advertised the Matrix, but it's the same day that we're going to see Jaws, and as in Saturday, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I tried to book tickets for it, but it was entirely sold out. And yeah. then there's a second showing, but it's in 4DX. No, I'm not paying for. 4DX. Yeah, I don't know how that. I don't know. How that'll work. Uh, in saying that, though, when me and you watch, uh, sorry, when you and I were watching, well, we went to watch a few things this week we seen the trailer for it and um, I mean it was probably the trailer for the original effort but it looked dead washed out and um, yeah. not great uh, not to say that I mean The Matrix is a great film but the it, trailer it didn't look like it aged very well it, yeah and it didn't look like there was um, I know what I said digital transfer but it looked as if it needed cleaned up a well it'd bit. been up to 4k it didn't look good. Well, to be, to be fair the screen we saw that trailer on wasn't a 4K ah, yeah that wasn't the 4K, 4K one screen, yeah that's right enough um, it's still the colours and all that and it just it was just wasn't right it just it had a bit to, washed it out have that washed out and it always did you look a bit washed out but this was worse yeah uh, I mean like we were me uh, you I and uh, your mum were supposed to be going to watch Groundhog Day and there's no that wasn't like you know, there was no whatever restoration. It was as if you were watching a DVD. Even our friend I'm, Stevie I'm, Pollock, the, the the sound wasn't very loud. I'm sure that was a 4K restoration of that as well. It did not look it. <laughs> it just looked... It looked like I was watching a film from the 90s uh, in, in DVD form. But don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining. Uh, I actually really like... 
Yeah, that was a 4K. It didn't look it. Um, and our our good friends, uh, Stevie Pollock and Santino Verecchio will probably tell you. Stevie Pollock, actually, apart from being uh, mega anxious because, uh, well, as I said, it was supposed to be you, uh, myself, and your mum going to watch it. So we had the old Cineworld tickets on the go. So we just used those tickets, but uh, on approaching the uh, guy at ticket check, uh, Stevie Pollock was getting mega oh, anxious. shitting himself as shitting usual. Shitting himself, really? like, oh man, but, oh, maybe we should just get tickets and I'll be, oh man, it's going to be a big ruddy though, isn't it? I says, mate, they're, they're not going to care. They, they won't yeah. care. And right enough, they didn't care. But again, yeah, we went in and uh, we watched it. But he, all, he, he was like, immediately, he was like, wait a minute, are all the speakers on? Because it feels dead quiet. Or sorry, it sounds dead quiet. I was like, shit, you might be right, actually. But then when the trailers started, and I mean, there was only a couple of trailers, it was like, yeah, that, that, I think that's better. But then the film started, and I was like, yeah, this just doesn't look like um, a good transfer. But I wasn't really caring. I mean, especially with these kind of films like Groundhog Day, which is just this romantic comedy from the early 90s. It happens to be a really funny and like a Bill Murray classic. You're there more just to watch the film and enjoy the atmosphere, and the atmosphere was really good. There was a lot of good laughs, and there, there also yeah. comes a point where there's only so much a transfer can do. Yeah, yeah. Again, like, like a film that's been film that's made twenty years ago, it's still going to look like a film that was made twenty years ago. Like the once you, once you put four K on it, mm. um, but if anything, sometimes it highlights it more. Mm. I mean, I again. I, we were there well I mean we were the original plan was we were going to go but you couldn't go because you weren't feeling too well but I just seen it as an excuse to say to because our good pal Santino was in town I was like hey man like I know you like your Bill Murray films and he was a fan of like you know you'd go, I'd go around his house and be like oh it's an ITV2 classic because there would always be certain ITV2 classics like Groundhog Day like Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence's Life oh, uh, you know Th- thing, things like that and I was like yeah he'll might dig this he might up for and you know we went for it and then Stevie came as well and we were all laughing our asses off and had a, a good a good uh, a good time with it and it was it was fairly packed it wasn't like sold out but again I, I encourage those kind of um, you know those classics coming back because it's always cool and whenever I go on like Cineworld's website it's always right I'll search for a film that's got classic films and there's a couple of absolute fucking belters like it's like a double bill of like Terminator and Total Recall. I'm like, I can't wait for that. And the two places that seem to really be embracing the classic cinema, the, the classic films, uh, especially at Robocop and things like that, is Sheffield and Hull. Sheffield always has amazing Sheffield's stuff on. Sheffield's always yeah. got like, a, like, oh, like, a, oh shit, Beetlejuice or The Running Man. I, I'm like, I wonder if that's nice like Sheffield, like my idea of Sheffield is it's quite a big university town. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's him actually embracing the university like student community in the way that like the Grovner used to do because he always, always used to have some non-late night at the weekend. Yeah, like Blues Brothers or yeah. Big Lebowski or something. Um, I, I would applaud any cinema in Glasgow to have a date, at least one classic on a week. Yeah, um, I know like um, a friend of the podcast, Lee McPherson, I mean, he works for a cinema... And uh, I know that he very much had spearheaded not just like, you know, because 
this the cinema in question would have like your 2001 a space odyssey and blade runner the usual kind of ones it's like why not get the big lebowski why not get turn like explore yeah, different yeah. ones it's like there are audiences out for these cult films so why not embrace that as well yeah. you know because it is good business and for a while uh, the cinema in question they did have like um cult classics on they probably do have like a cult classic season you get you get one every once in a while i've noticed yeah because for a while there was like there was a week where it was like wrath of Khan. Blade Runner was on and then there was um, a couple other 80s efforts on as well which was good um, but yeah I, I'm, I'm a big fan of it I mean again we're going to watch Jaws on Saturday I've I seen Jaws right. if you're not I will <laughs> I've seen Jaws three times I think now in the cinema and it really is like it's a classic and it's a film that it's enjoyment is heightened by being at the cinema yeah. it very much is a film to be experienced in the cinema. I think I've only seen it twice in the cinema, mm. and I completely agree with that. It's it is a cinema movie. The scope of it yeah. just works so much better in the cinema. You think? Do you think <laughs> like, I mean, again, that I mean that this was back when you didn't have you know like Jaws was made in the mid seventies where you didn't exactly have VHS tapes. You know, it's like if you're going to watch a, a film, you had to watch in the movie theater. Doing like a film like Jaws has the cinema scope and captures that kind of audience in that cinematic way that you perhaps lack with a lot of like those kind of films nowadays because you know it's going to be on video on demand or DVD, no, you know, things I, like I, that. I don't think that's the issue with it. I think the problem is now, like, when Jaws came out, like, if you've ever seen like original trailers for Jaws, they mm-hmm. tell you fuck all. It's all like, right. here's a guy in a boat, mm, that might be a shark, mm, okay. here's a guy that might be dead. And then it's like Jaws comes here. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen the trailer for Jaws because I just I remember like way back in the day, certainly like the eighties. Like that's what trailers were like though. Right. Back then they were very short, succinct, to the point. Mm-hmm. Whereas now trailers, and then you get the, the kind of follow on of social media and the kind of uh, entertainment news sites now that specifically pick up and dissecting every minute of a trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Take that IGN, you bunch of pricks. <laughs> uh, it ruins it because they show you so much on in what are now kind of elongated trailers. Trailers now go, can go on for like four minutes. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and it's, they show you from start to finish everything that's going to happen. Mm. Um, so you've seen most of the big beats. Um, then you go on your, your go on your Facebook or whatever. And then somebody's telling you everything they know about it. Mm. And then you get the millions of fan theories. Mm. And then it just... Any kind of joy of going to watch, going to watch a film without really knowing what it's, what it's about, you only really get now from... Like indie movies. Yeah, indie movies, yeah. foreign cinema. Yeah. Like, the, the last time I had that kind of big surprise was I went to see The Handmaiden. Yeah, oh, was a great movie. And I had absolutely no idea what it was when I went into it. I just knew it was a part time book. So when, so like the whole start of that film, I was really into it and really enjoyed the story. Mm-hmm. And then when the turn happens, I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And it just kicked it up a notch. And I just don't think you really get that as much now. Mm. Just because the medium, sorry, the, sorry, the for. The internet? Well, the internet is a tool of it. The, not merchandising, the promotional machine mm-hmm. of major studios, especially for like event films of which Jaws would have been. Yeah. Although nice, no, I suppose Jaws. 
Jaws was the start of what you would consider the yeah, blockbuster. Yeah, well, Star Wars are kind of the start of the summer blockbusters. Because yeah, Jaws so, made over a hundred million, uh, then the week, the, yeah. the summer after that was Star Wars. Yeah, it maybe wouldn't have been seen as an event film as such no, I th- at the time. Yeah, but yeah, still though, a film like Jaws or Star Wars now would be, you would be abused by it just through the media. Yeah, I mean, the thing like again, seventies Hollywood, you had that new wave of. Um, uh, filmmakers actually sorry to interrupt you yeah. a prime example being The Meg okay there's there's a a film about killer sharks mm-hmm. that you knew everything about when you went in yeah the other thing I mean again being like you know seasoned cinema goers that we are is see without even seeing the trailer right if someone said to me <laughs> right the film it was like The Meg and you're like right tell me about it giant shark and Jason Statham, I'm like, that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. I don't really know what the plot is, but I already have an idea of what to expect when watching that film. And don't get me wrong. Yeah, you- okay, but in, in a similar context, if this, was, if this was the 70s and somebody goes, right, Jaws, goes, okay, tell me about it. Giant shark and Roy Shader hates being on boats. I'd go... I'll watch it. Well, I mean, again, that was like, it wasn't his first made movie. It was his first major um, studio movie, uh, Spielberg's that was. Um, and again, it was just like, it was, not, it was unlike anything you'd see. I mean, you'd seen monster movies before, but this was just something else. And it blew everyone, it blew everything out of the water. And a lot of folk would say it cited the end of the kind of new wave uh, Hollywood director and ushered in the age of the blockbuster. Uh, and again, Jaws. To be honest, Jaws is a perfectly it is. It probably is my favorite Spielberg movie. Um, it's definitely mine. And he's definitely. I mean, he's made. I mean, the, the man's name is synonymous <laughs> with cinema and uh, uh, blockbuster blockbusters. You know, what I mean, it's, it's he's a hell of a career of it. But yeah, I there's, and there's so many to pick from. But I would absolutely say Jaws because uh, again, I don't. Again, he's made many a timeless film, but it's just something about Jaws that's just really fucking good. Um, and again, it's aged really well. Uh, yeah, like, as much as like Bruce the Shark is this big rubber monstrosity, mm-hmm. it still it still seems to have transcended that kind of comedy aspect of it mm-hmm. to the point where ah, this is well, the the writing and the characterization of everything around it mm-hmm. and the way that the atmosphere and the atmosphere created by that yeah that is, music yeah, yeah is enough to keep you invested so when you see this big kind of giant rubber shark come, mm. you kind of go it's intimidating yeah it, it, it builds it really builds up to such a, a good payoff and it is that way that because the shark was so, so problematic and they had like the underwater cameras having John Williams's score which is no doubt inspired by like your, your Bernard Herrmann's and all yeah. that uh, scores of Hitchcock movies Solved the problem of having a shark without showing it. Yeah, and which works so much to its credit. Mm-hmm. Like again, it was good problem solving. Modern day, if that if Jaws is made now, you would have seen the CG. shark within the first yeah twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and it would have been a CGI monstrosity. Yeah, um, although to be fair, the ones in the shallows are actually alright. Still haven't seen that. That's the Blake Lively yeah, movie, right? It's not, it's not that great a film, but the actual sharks are actually not too bad in terms of CGI. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, but I mean, I I, I look forward to Jaws again. Don't don't worry, we won't have this very same conversation. No, I mean, yeah, like <laughs> just wait. We but. went and watched Jaws. <laughs> it's still awesome. That'll be the that'll be the extent of it because there's not really much else to say that you can't read upon or learn about uh, in various institutes about that movie because it really is a staple of cinema. As talked about earlier, it ushered in the era of the blockbuster. If you yeah. haven't read the book, I would say read the book. That's quite, that's quite yeah. good. Peter Benchley, that's yeah. the author, right? That's the author. Yeah, because the, if I remember correctly, is the ending not different? Yeah, and... He wasn't happy with it, is that right? Was he not happy about certain aspects of the adaptation? Uh, I vaguely remember something about that. Mm-hmm. Um, they changed the character dynamics of a few characters. Mm-hmm. And it makes it a, a wee bit of a different book. Mm-hmm. Uh, a different story. A yeah. couple of factoids about Jaws. Um, <laughs> the the very famous speech that Quint gives about uh, his encounter of the sharks uh, during the war uh, was written by John Milius. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Quint, uh, sorry, Robert Shaw, um, he tried to recite that scene uh, whilst at, whilst drunk and couldn't. And then the next day came back with his tail between his legs, apologised and did the whole thing. Uh, but to be fair, when you watch the film, you'd think they'd had a couple of drinks anyway, which I think they've have done. And of course, you've got Chief Brody's very famous pint of wine <laughs> with the dinner. Uh, I don't know if there's any other... Do they want? Is the police? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think why are the other factoids. Bruce the Shark. The reason he's called Bruce is because I think that's the name of Spielberg's lawyer. It is, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, we'll we'll watch uh, Jaws and no doubt love it's it. It's a very good on the Blu-ray, and you'll probably get it on YouTube or somewhere. It's a very good documentary about the making of Jaws. Mm. Um, I think I don't know if I touched upon it last week, but I watched um a documentary about the making of the Phantom Menace called In the Beginning. Oh, uh, you you told me about it. I don't think you mentioned it on this. Yeah. Oh, I mean, ooh, it's. It's it's nothing you haven't already. If you haven't seen the red letter media, um, well, the, the Mister Plinkett review was kind of what got red letter media noticed. It became huge. Their review of Phantom Menace, uh, it's pretty much the footage in that is in this documentary, and it highlights the fact that Lucas surrounds himself with yes men. There was one draft of the script. The casting choices were just especially for um, young Anakin, Jake Lloyd is easily the weakest in terms of his um, auditions. And it only seems to be when Lucas is out of the room, folk speculate and question what's going on. And it kind of harks back to when the original Star Wars movie was made and he like Obi-Wan was going to be a fish man and Luke Skywalker was going to be this 100-year-old thing. And the studio's Point blank basically says no, we're not doing that. You can't Dar- do that, and we're not we're not going to do that. We're not going to finance that. And Dark Dark Horse Comics did a I think it's four issue um, adaptation of that original script. Mm. Um, I keep toying with the idea of, read, of reading it because it's on Marvel Unlimited. Right, well, if it's there, you might as well. Yeah, but it was a it was a watching it. It was a classic case of, I mean, filmmaking is a collaborative process and you have to have folk around you that say I don't think that's a good idea or well I mean bear in mind George Lucas he created Star Wars so he knows everything how dare MD try and toy with the idea of telling him how to you know work the universe that he 
built. But again, it's a clear indication of how CGI can be used as a tool. How dare women be able to use and, the force? And how how <laughs> dare and and a, a clear thing of yeah. Sometimes it's all right to say, well, you know, I don't think that's right, or maybe that is not a great idea. But it it baffle it fucking baffles me. He wrote one draft, and that was it. I'm like, good god, because the it, Phantom Menace is a fucking horrendously written movie, uh, and, it, and makes, it boggles my mind that that's what certain parts of the internet are wanting oh, to go back to that. It's mental. It's like, oh. Thing is, as well, right? Is again, this is all I get. Plinkett's review is way better than what I'm doing just now, but it's true. He keeps, uh, he keeps. Lucas keeps saying it's a bold movie and it's for kids, but I. When you see the opening scroll about space taxes, I really don't know where the fucking yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure the average uh, eight year old wants to know about trade embargoes. Yeah, and is super cool with um, <laughs> uh, certain characters having, let's let's say, racial cliches. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I don't even in 1999 that wasn't cool. But anyway, I watched that. It was it was it's on YouTube. It's very interesting. You've seen most of it already um if you haven't seen the plinker reviews but it's just uh oh holy shit it's it's kind it's it's kind of torture to watch it's very cringe worthy to watch because you know what's coming and even the way some of the folk are kind of reading the script and just nobody telling them listen mate we don't think you're this is not a good idea how about limit it again as i said what happens when someone owns the whole lot and has, has got nobody to rein them in and that's pretty much what happened with the prequels. Anyway, but yeah, I watched that. Um, did you watch any old movies or TV shows or anything like that? Uh, well, apart from what we saw in the cinema mm. last Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Wednesday there. Uh, I hadn't really watched anything, but on Sunday I fell down a set of stairs in work. So I've been lying in my bed for the past few days. Uh, so I managed to watch all of Stranger Things season three. Loved it. I wouldn't go as far to say I loved it. Loved I thought it. it was better than season two. Absolutely. Uh, I felt it was a bit soap opera. Yes. For my tastes, mm-hmm. it's not um, like season one's still the best. Yeah. season it's still the best written season. You could argue it's the no. It's still the most more focused. Season yeah. three, I think, just has fun with the genre that it's. Yeah, in. like it, it, it is fun. I enjoy. I enjoyed watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, it feels to me that it's, it's a show that nobody thought would ever get a second season, mm. and in turn, then never get a third season. Right. So I think they're kind of, we're reaching that rest point where, you've got to try and extend the lore, mm-hmm. and. Extending the lore the way they did in this, it felt a wee. I realise the show I'm talking about. It felt a little less grounded. Right. It felt yeah. very kind of <laughs> Scooby Doo esque okay. in a lot of ways, yeah, okay. which I enjoyed the show. I thought mm-hmm. it was. I thought it was good. I just I would have preferred a wee bit more kind of grimness to balance it out. Okay. Because I wasn't really very much of it. No, no. Um, this one felt a lot more sci-fi than anything else to me. Yeah, I mean, again, it's kind of split audiences. There's a person in work that I've like. We've talked about Stranger Things since it started. She hated the season. She thought that 
Um, uh, she thought it looked cheap. Um, she thought mm, I, I can I can see where she got that from. It does look like it's had a slight adjustment budget. She thought, yeah, she just thought a lot of it was garbage and it really didn't. Um, it didn't seem to go anywhere, and it's quite repetitive. I can understand that. The the, the villains, for me, the villain the villains of uh, all the Stranger Things are the MacGuffin of the series because it's is you kind of that's what brings everybody together to kind of fight it. it. You could argue it's quite repetitive. Um, oh, it's certainly a show that follows a formula. Yeah, but I'm fine with that. I think it, it did lean into a lot more cliches. There was a lot more kind of pop culture to it. The, the fact that there's a bit where the, the gang are going to watch, well, they're sneaking in to watch a film, and as soon as I seen that was the film they were watching, I was like, this is where we're going to go with it. It's going to go with this kind of... Like, the film they, they sneak in or try to sneak in to watch is Day of the Dead, and I was like, right, okay, I think, right, I kind of know where we're yeah, going with this. Kind of uh, it, yeah. yeah, and I was like, and it does kind of go that way. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, I like the idea that the, the gang were kind of split up. Uh, there were some folk that there was kind of almost three different plot lines on the go at the once. Uh, I, I, I loved uh, the fact that Chief Hopper was so jacked that he got his. Uh, is JC Penny shirt and uh, cruised about looking like Magnum PI for the whole thing. I just loved it. I actually really enjoyed just how shitty he was the whole way through. Yeah, he was just such a dick. Yeah, he was a wee bit, but he was I. He was a dick, but it's like again a lot of folk like yeah, he's fucking terrible. I was like, oh no, I can understand how he will have got to that point in his life. Yeah, there was a there, there was a recent thing on Twitter where I think it was Evan Rachel Wood had said that. Um, she wasn't. She says you should never try to aspire to be like the dad out of Stranger Things. Yeah. And there was a whole Twitter spat about folks saying this is a fictitious character. He's had a lot to deal with, and that's why you know he's not great. And she was kind of making the point of, uh, you know, I've been in bad relationships before, and I've I've actually self harmed throughout those things. And just to look at the way this kind of talks. Well, I don't know if the word toxic was put in there, but. It was basically arguing that the relationship he has with Eleven and is trying to get with um, Mrs. Byers, you're just like, I, I never really picked up on that because, again, I'm like, it's a fictitious character. Everything's toxic nowadays, Well, apparently. yeah, or everyone's offended by something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Stranger Things season three. Um, they they got to end it soon, though. Like I, One more season and then finish yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think you get much more legs out of that, yeah, to be honest. it's got to go. Um, the only thing I can you can kind of hope is if the if the way it ends mm-hmm. it opens up to different locales yeah it's so it's kind of like maybe get a change of scene yeah it's kind of like Star Wars is like can we move on from the Skywalker family yeah. because we got an entire galaxy to look at whereas Stranger Things it's like it doesn't need to be just about Hawkins well that, that, that was the thing like, it was, when it was originally pitched it was supposed to be an anthology show with each season being something different all right, okay, like but, a kind of Tales from the Crypt yeah, kind of thing, right, okay. But um, because cash monies and like the, the kids that were in it were like memeing themselves to all hell, mm-hmm. that's how we ended up with season two. Mm-hmm. It was kind of... You could argue that's kind why. of spunked out and they're kind of, yeah. oh, fuck, we, don't, we weren't supposed to get this. We were supposed to be doing something different. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, though. I, I, I smiled a lot. During it, and I, I, I felt there was a lot more needless and abrasive fan service uh-huh. in this season than there's been in the other two. Oh yeah, I said to you, there's a really daft, stupid thing that happens, but I, I grinned from ear to ear, even though it's, a, it's, it's so daft and stupid, but I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, but it, I, it embraced a lot of the B movie aspects uh, that I really enjoy from eighties uh, action and eighties sci fi. 
Um, so yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I can ab- folk that didn't like it and are big fans of season one and two, I totally see and understand the points that are being made. It's just in this case, a lot of the folk, things folk were complaining about, I kind of enjoyed. But I can understand uh, how a lot of folk wanted something better, wanted you know the flavor of the first season. But anyway. Uh, and to your recommendation, Neil, uh, I got round to watching all of What We Do in the Shadows, it's really the good, TV show. It? It's very yeah. good, man. Again, really good. I was sceptical about the trailer. I thought the trailer looked kind of cheap. It was a bit of a... But I, the thing that I kind of held on to the fact was, right, it is J- Jermaine Clement who was involved in the first one and he co-produced and co-directed the first one and co-wrote it. I'm like, if he's wanting to adapt it, there must be something to it. And the fact that Taka Waititi was returning to direct some of the episodes as well. And, of course, I mean, when you cast Matt Berry in anything, I'll, I'll watch it. Uh, and, yeah, it really was good. And I think you, you said to me, it improves as it goes on. Yeah. And it really did. Because when you watch, if you've seen the movie, which is very good, um, check that out. It, it moves uh, the three vampire flatmates. Uh, originally, it's in New Zealand. It moves it to Staten Island. Um, and it kind of follows the same formula as the first one, but they add some things into it, which mm. is great as well. The fourth vampire is the, the idea of that is fantastic. I think it's episode two. It's him and Vanessa Bear. She's mm. the emotional vampire. Yeah, and that stuff's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Like yeah. when when he's breaking up with her, mm-hmm. and she just keeps ripping the gun at him. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's a really, really good mockumentary. Yeah. Uh, I, I laughed a lot. Uh, again, I thought Matt Berry was fantastic. I thought everybody was really good in it. And then Neil had said to me as well, come season seven, sorry, come episode seven, it, they do some fucking great shit in there. Episode seven is an almost perfect 25 minutes of television from start to finish. Yeah, because again, it brings... Because this is an adaptation of a film... But by episode seven, you're like, this is this TV show is part of the lore that is yeah. already, the, and and the, it makes the film stand out on its own. Whereas this is just another chapter in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does well to expand the universe and, of the oh, of the narrative. Yeah, because when Neil said he's like, there's some, you know, wait, you see it, and I, I like when the episode seven happened, and I seen a cameo, I was like, oh, cool, it's cool that he's in it, and then it goes from strength to strength to strength and I was like this is fucking excellent I can, who's, who's yeah. next who are they going to reveal next isn't it uh, I really really enjoyed it I, I laughed a lot and I I can't recommend it enough if you've not seen the film check it out I, I believe it's on our Netflix or Amazon Prime it's on definitely on Amazon Prime as one of the free films yeah and again given what I just talked about with episode 7 if you watch the film that episode is heightened for you um, uh, once you get to episode 7 yeah, yeah you don't need to watch it it's just it helps. It, in episode 7 it some things make a wee bit more sense and you will smile because yeah. of it um, but yeah I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I, I can't wait for a second season and which I'm guessing is on the cards because oh, uh, be. I, I don't know I don't know how it fared in terms of like ratings uh, or how successful it was but I I, I hope that it did really well because um it's it's worth it's worth a watch it's yeah. worth a watch absolutely um 
I also started um, Jessica Jones season three. Um, yeah, I I remember again. This is the last. Uh, this is the last season of uh, the Defenders, the Marvel Defenders uh, for, uh, that were on Netflix. Uh, everyone get cancelled. Uh, Punisher, Daredevil, Iron Fist, uh, Luke Cage, and now this is uh, Jessica Jones. Well, supposed so- swan song uh, from. Well, no, it's not supposed. Is there swan song yeah, from Netflix? Canceled. We don't know if it's going to come back on Disney Plus. I don't think so. Um, yeah, they keep saying that they're not bringing them back on Disney Plus. Yeah, but then there was a story during the week that they might be brought back into something else. Right. Um, Is it kind of like a like when Constantine got cancelled? He appeared in both Legends of Tomorrow and Arrow. That kind of jacking up that play. Uh, I don't know because this made it sound like they were talking about films. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, maybe a TV movie or a, 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 a well, who knows. Um, but yeah, I it's, it's so far. I'm episode four. It's fine. I Do, does she get drunk a lot, hit people, hit walls, and be miserable all the time? Well, you haven't seen season two, have you? Yeah, I've seen season. Two. Yeah, I've season two. Right. So you know, at the end of season two, there was quite a traumatic event that happens, and that basically, it's it's emotionally she's torn. Uh, because someone was taken away from her by someone that she very much loves, uh, so that there's a fragile relationship there. Uh, but yeah, Jessica Jones, she likes to drink her whiskey. She's trying to kind of almost embrace the fact that she's a hero because, but at the same time, she doesn't know. Uh, the, the whole kind of question so far is, she has superpowers. Uh, well, even, this is even said in season two by Trish, her um, sister, and that is um, Trish wants to do well and and you know stop bad guys, and wishes she had powers. And then season two, there's an experiment that happens, and in the lore, she becomes Hellcat, where she may or may not have gained powers, um, and jessica has powers but doesn't really she just kind of wants to use them as in and get paid and not really and still isn't ready to embrace the fact that she's wanting to be the superhero uh, or she hasn't fully embraced or fully understood why she needs to and plus with her her biological mum no longer in the picture there's a lot kind of going on there as well season three is it kind of starts off with like you know that kind of whole thing of her trying to do the right thing but not really sure what uh, you've got Carrie Ann Moss's characters back in it. Uh, Trish is kind of starting her story arc, which again I'm not really a fan of the character Trish. It yeah, feels... she was really a weak link in the past two seasons. Yeah, and that's and there's a lot of focus on her. So it, I'm not gonna lie. I, I many a times I've complained about Arrow. This feels like I'm watching Arrow just now, um, because of the weak storytelling some of the writing's weak and some of like things seem a bit rushed um it's not but it's not as bad as Arrow. and Arrow is f- terrible um uh, it's fine it's fine so far so we'll wait and see what happens there's a lot of things that i'm predicting in my head from watching it and uh, i'll know that i'll probably give you an update on that because i'll have it finished either by tonight or tomorrow uh, did you watch uh, Did you watch Spider-Man Homecoming before you watched the new one? No. 
Yeah, I, really, I I didn't feel the need to. I, I just I the first, the only time I'd seen Spider Man Homecoming was in the cinema, and I loved I, it. I, I'd seen it more recently than that. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really really good. I thought um, it had one of the best villains, and it was really good, tied well into the lore. So I thought I'd rewatch it before going watching Far From Home, and yeah, still holds up. Um, Tom Holland's a great Spider Man. It just goes to show you when Marvel have their own properties, what they can do with it. Uh, and yeah, I still thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it's a good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good movie. And my uh, yeah, uh, my brother uh, every now and then will message me like your top five favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger films, your top five. So sorry. No. Okay. No worries. I checked the some information and it opened the video. No, that's all right. Uh, yeah, um, every now and then my brother will message me like your top five favorite Arnie films, Stallone films, and it kind of came to me that I had never seen the Arnie film Raw Deal, which I mean I grew up watching all of Arnie's films. I loved them like Predator, Running Man, Terminator, huge fan, and it was just the one that kind of eluded me. I've seen Red Heat, but I don't really remember a lot about it apart from uh, he's a Russian, Jim Belushi's a, a wisecracking cop, and it's a kind of buddy cop effort directed by Walter Hill. And I will watch it. I even told you the Walter Hill director. Yeah, I will watch it. Um, but I was like, you know, I need to watch Raw Deal and really uh, see what the deal see what see what the deal is with Raw Deal. Um, yeah, so I found that, and I watched that, and it was awesome <laughs> in the cheesiest way possible. If you had that in Commando as a double bill. That'd be great. I mean, Commando, don't worry, Commando, Commando's way better than it, but it's the same flavour of stupid action movie. Right. There's a lot of cheesy lines, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense, there's a lot of gravity-defined things, and anyway, the plot of Raw Deal is Arnold Schwarzenegger plays uh, the sheriff of a local town who is a former FBI agent, but um, he was asked to resign or he was going to go to court for I think it was assault and battery of a of a not a witness but of um, a perp and is, is it not just essentially the same story as Walking Tall uh, well I think so but the thing about this one I don't think that you get in Walking Tall is so Arnold Schwarzenegger is this local chef his, his wife is frustrated about the fact that they had this life in New York but now they're in this little town and, he, and he's having to do this police work uh, there and he, she kind of misses that life Arnold, and then meanwhile Arnold Schwarzenegger's former superiors uh, his brother is killed um, by the Chicago mob <laughs> um, so the guy gets so the, the guy the guy's brother gets in charge with Arnold, uh, sorry in touch with Arnold Schwarzenegger and says I want you to take these guys down and in doing so you might get the opportunity to become an FBI agent again <laughs> and he's like, is this all? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm funding this. I've got like forty thousand in savings, so I'm funding this operation. So it's completely illegal, I think. And basically, Arnold Schwarzenegger has to infiltrate the Chicago mob uh, and find out what he knows and take them down. Yeah. And action and fun times ensue. It's got Robert Davies in it, of course he is. Is it a bit where he drives a like a? I want to say a van, but it's not a van. It's like one of those kind of army jeeps. Through a shop window. Oh, let me think. Uh, I don't think it's through a shop window. But like through a building, like through the front of a building or something. Uh, I 
the the bit you're the, the only thing I can remember. I only watched it the other night, um, but again, it was one of those things where I was kind of half paying attention because you don't really need to fully pay right. attention to these films. Um, he, he he drives a white car uh, through this quarry, uh, but just before he does, he like again in commando style gets all his guns sorted, you know, all his fucking like his tech nines and his like his uh, handguns and. You know, just like in Commando, he like he just gets himself all fucking ready, and then kind of admires himself in the mirror for a wee minute, and then gets into this white car, and puts on an A track. I think it's an A track or a cassette, anyway. Of uh, Satisfaction, No Satisfaction by uh, Rolling Stones or Satisfaction, sorry, yeah. And he puts that on, and that's blading as he's going through this quarry. And just uh, <laughs> and what he does is he kicks he kicks the front window of his car because it's a, it's a convertible. Um, he kicks the front door off that and he just sticks the gun out there and while and he just, just do donut just try no he doesn't donuts he goes through this quarry and takes out about 50 guys in his car and then at one point he's just he, it just he, it's like full on like at the end of Commando he full on just annihilates everybody in front of him wait like so many bullets and so much killing it's, it's fucking excellent but yeah it's it's as I said it would do so well as a. I actually hope this happens one night. Cinemas, if you're listening, do this, and you get a double bill of you get raw deal then commando because they're they're so well suited to another in terms of their logic and their production and <laughs> their action. <laughs> it was I I was sitting there. It's like every now and then somebody would burst into a room and some rock music would play and I was like oh my god I love this. It's like it just it made me think of commando as I said is way better. Um, but it just made me think of Commando in terms of the way uh, it was made, and I oh god, I loved it. I was like, I was I was almost regretful. I, was like, I can't believe I never had this film in my life growing up. It should have sat right next to like Commando mm-hmm. and Running Man, etc. But yeah, oh, it was f- excellent, absolutely excellent. I cannot <laughs> I cannot love Raw Deal um, enough to the point where I'm like, man, I need to watch this like three or four more times. Uh, just to enjoy the shit out of it <laughs> and there's uh, at one point again classic Arnie pun um, well, it's not even a pun sorry it's um, as I said his wife there's a bit at the start where he goes back uh, to his house and his wife has been baking well she's making dinner but she's baked the cake and she's like sipping on like the total typical 80s wife with the big fucking hair and all that and she's like sipping on a whiskey or whatever it is and she bakes this cake and Arnie's like his dinner ready he's like well I made this and um, she just complains about the fact that they had a better life in New York and um, why why are things the way they are? I wish they were better, but now they're just... And she puts icing on the cake that just says shit. And then she launches the cake at him and then he just turns and looks at her and goes, you shouldn't drink when you bake. <laughs> fucking a loss that he delivered in such a, a dry, line, a really dry fucking way. And I was just like, this is great. And, and, and again, there's little bits throughout that. This is like, what, 1986? 86, or? 86, 86 Army. Which is just so, after Commando. So, yeah. so to be fair, the delivery of that line being so dry is probably more to do with his ability as an actor oh no yeah oh, like, yeah. Th- this again this highlights that he can't act very well he is muscles and guns um, but at the same time I, I like like Schwarzenegger so perfect for those kind of movies because of the bad puns and that I mean 
maybe because like we grew up with it it's hard to imagine watching someone do that that isn't Schwarzenegger because he does have that dry way of doing it and almost you, you can tell he's he's read the lines but he, he didn't fe- he doesn't feel those lines yeah. you know <laughs> he's just I've read this off a page I'm going to say it but look how intimidating and big and muscly I am. Yeah, you got to work with the material you're given, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Raw Deal is by no means a work of art. It's a work of art in my mind because if it's like if I was if I wanted to make an action movie, and I've always wanted to make a pastiche of eighties movies. Raw Deal is exactly the kind of pastiche, crappy action movie I'd make because it's hilarious, it's violent, and it, it kind of embraces a lot of uh, shit that I really enjoyed from that era. So, yeah, um, I I can if you haven't seen it, I can't recommend it enough. It was fucking excellent. Anyway, so <clears throat> you did you watch any did you watch any anime this week? Yeah, I watched about anime this week. Yeah. Um, I started on Netflix's uh, Netflix's hmm. uh, Netflix's re-release of. Neon Genesis Evangelion. Mm-hmm. I'm watching it with the Japanese subtitles in the original language because I'm not a pleb. So oh, there you go. That's uh, that's Neil's. Uh, this that's is my way. hot take. Yeah, on, this the, is... on the controversies of this. Yeah, that's the way you should watch it. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's not grabbed me. Okay. Well, I'm about three episodes deep, and it's not grabbed me the way that I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Uh. But it's grabbed me enough that I want to see where it goes. Because okay. um, I've heard it goes places. Um, I mean, is it going to go as many places as JoJo's does? No, doubt it. Uh, do you know? Like, I, I've started what like, I started watching uh, Kaguya Sama Love Is War last week, mm-hmm. which I believe I, talk, I might have talked about last week, mm-hmm. and I've been continuing to watch that, and it's getting better and better as it gets every, uh, as every scenario gets even more ridiculous right. and kind of uh, the win-loss record starts to mean a bit more right um, but see every time that I turn on Crunchyroll mm-hmm. to go to go to watch it mm-hmm. and go to my search bar first thing that pops up there says Jojo's Bizarre Adventure and it's mm-hmm. like oh I could just start season 4 of Jojo's that would be amazing so what are you saving that for a rainy day or something well, I've watched I've watched three seasons of JoJo's back to back, and these are anime seasons, so they're like forty episodes ago. Alright, so it's so a it's lot. like no. I want to kind of maybe just step back from it for a wee bit, so I'm not overdoing the JoJo's. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I keep hearing about hearing about season four of JoJo, and I mm-hmm. keep looking at looking at stupid things which tell me bits about it, mm-hmm. and I really want to watch season four of JoJo's. Well. <laughs> Why not, man? Why not? If it's there, if it's there, and it's it's there, we watch yeah. watch it, you know. No, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna. I, try. I get that you have to sometimes take a you have to take a break from it. You know what I mean? I, I'm not very good at watching multiple things at the same time. Okay. Um. So I don't want to kind of fill up my my plate too much with. Mm-hmm. So if I've got two animes on to go at the one time, that's kind of enough. Mm-hmm. Uh. So I'll batter through the ones I'm watching first. I know that like you. Well, Paco had floated the idea about you, him, uh, and um, Stevie. Our Stevie Pollock maybe doing a show about uh, Evangelion. Yeah, so I know I'm, he's, a, he's a big fan. I'm, I'm still up for doing that. 
Cool. Yeah. I mean, well, we won't say too much about it. Yeah. Uh, maybe save it for that idea. Mm. Cool. Right, no worries. Um, and you said, did you say you watched a bit of that fucking Adam Sandler shit? Oh, I'd been at my grandparents, um, mm-hmm. and I came back, and my mum had been watching Spider-Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. uh, and she did that thing where it just rolled into the next film, and it was Murder Mystery featuring... Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler and from what I kind of picked up from it it was it was okay it was it was bland but it was the kind of bland you could probably have in the background and not get annoyed at okay another take I have from it is Jennifer Aniston is a terrible actress (laughs) and she gets worse as time goes on to be like well like you were saying it's, it's an Adam Sandler film does, does MD really ever come Sa- out Sandler's better than Aniston and the stuff that I saw Jake it's maybe because he believes in the material whereas she's there to pick, I mean she's she's worked with Sandler before in crap um, so I don't know I mean I so, most of the time when someone okay. when someone turns up for a Sandler movie I'm just like one you're there because you have no other career or two that's an easy payslip for you. Yeah, but let's think of the career of Jennifer Aniston post Friends. She's never really been. She's never really taken off in the way that people thought she would take off. No, but nobody really did out of the the cast of Friends. But yeah, I know what you mean. There, there's a I mean, she was fine. She's fine in We Are the Millers. I thought she was quite good in Horrible Bosses. There was something different uh, mm. to her in that. I never seen as a cake where she was nominated for like a Golden Globe or I think she plays it's like she's like a recovering alcoholic or something yeah like uh, but I don't know like yeah I mean she, when Jennifer Aniston turns up and something I'm just like up oh, there's Aniston she's going to do her thing and then that'll be that yeah like looking mm. at her filmography here there's just see even from let's go from 2010 right The Bounty Hunter ooh The Switch Mm, no. Just go with it with Adam Sandler. Yeah, Robbie. Horrible bosses. Mm, Wanderlust. Never seen it. Heard it was bad. We're the Millers. We're the Millers is alright. Uh, Life of Crime, which I have no idea what that is. Don't know what that is. It's her and Ayla Fisher. That must be good stuff. <laughs> She's funny that way. Hmm. Uh. Owen Wilson. Oh, Kate. oh, me, Marley and me. That's oh, that's, right, yeah. uh, that's before that one. Aye. Cake, which we don't really know that much about. Horrible Bosses too. Gotta get that sequel money. Mother's Day. Aged. Office Christmas Party. Yeah, I've seen the trailer for... Alright, you made your point. <laughs> um, yeah, she's she's not had a good career. Nah. She's probably had one that pays her bills. Yeah, she gets. Yeah, she's she still gets work, but yeah. Oh well. Uh, I've no interest in watching anything with Adam Sandler in it that is produced by his production company, written by him, or features David Spade, guy from K- uh, thingy from King of Queens, or oh, any Kevin, of the, Kevin James, Kevin James, or any of his other wee pals. As soon as I see that, I'm like, no, thank you. However, if he was to make a film with Paul Thomas Anderson again, then I might be interested. Yeah, I'd watch one of those. Yeah. <clears throat> um, well, yeah, that kind of wraps up the TV and movies for that bit. So, on to... Oh, I finished, um, I finished Spider-Man, the video game. Good. Uh, oh. I don't know. Oh, you like, don't know? Yeah, like, okay. I had periods with it where I, I kind of get into it, but then my kind of overall feeling, like, I, fin- I finished it in the main story 
and there was still like open world stuff still to do and I deleted it off the hard drive because I just got no interest in going back and doing it whereas mm. normally I would I would I would have done that stuff before finishing the main story yeah it's like it's enjoyable for a while while you're playing it and then it becomes a bit kind of samey mm. and I think overall kind of a bit unsatisfying by the end of it oh well oh well that was well there's some good storytelling in it yeah but we've still quite fancy it yeah I maybe just haven't wasn't in the mood for it if you weren't that well maybe it was but yeah. I don't know I maybe <clears throat> still just have my Red Dead hangover yeah I've still got that still got that still haven't just I still haven't gone back to God of War I've just I'm, well I've not been in the mood and I've, it just did not grip me. I'm just like, man, mine red dead. Yeah. Um, I think I need a very linear, just a linear kind of story-based thing mm-hmm. just to kind of get a taste out. So mm. I've picked up um, Observer, All right. which is a, I don't know I call it a walking simulator. Right. But it's kind of like these, te- not so much like a telltale game, but like, I don't know, did you ever play like Gone Home? Uh Everybody's gone the rapture. Oh yeah, I played that. Yeah, Th- yeah. Those kind of games. All oh, right, okay. But uh, this is takes place in a kind of cyberpunk future, but it's a bl- very Blade Runner esque cyberpunk future. Of course. And it has Rutger Hauer as the main character. Of course, fair play. Yeah, so I'll give that a go. Hmm. Well, and that moves us on to the cinema and all the stuff we've seen this week. God, it was so long, so long ago since I actually sat and watched these things. <laughs> uh, right. Well, I mean, I, I briefly I went and watched Groundhog Day. You know what that is? Check that. It was great. It was great seeing it on the big screen, apart from the sound. Uh, if MD went to see Groundhog Day on Monday, can you drop us a, a wee message? Because I would love to know. Did they go through with it being a double bill of Groundhog Day and Groundhog Day? Yeah. Or was was it kind of a bait and switch and you got something else? Well, yeah, we were going to wait about because I, I asked the guy, I says, are you actually going to put on Groundhog Day? He says, well, there is something on till 10 o'clock, so come back in 10 minutes. We just didn't because... Which to me suggests it's something else. It might have been. I mean, part of me kind of thought maybe it was going to be the dead don't die, but then I'm like... Yeah, but that's out on Friday, so... Which, uh, which would be prime time for them to put it on. Mm. But, mm, I don't know. So, I was... I Had I not been with the, bo- the boys, I might have stuck about. It's just the, the fact that our pal Tino was in town for a limited time, so I thought, well, we'll catch up and we'll do that instead. And, yeah, but anyway. I, but if, if anybody knows, let us know. Uh, right, well, we'll start with... Uh, we'll start with... Uh, in fabric or in fabric or in fabric in fabric yeah <laughs> me and Neil went well Neil and I went and watched that uh, I I had mentioned to Neil a couple of weeks ago uh, when I was on my way up north and it's the only time I buy like Total Film or Empire Magazine just for something to read and I happened to notice uh, this wee this wee kind of article about it and it sounded really interesting um, it's directed by Peter Strickland, writ, wrote, wrote and directed, written and directed by Peter Strickland, who also did Bavarian Sound Studio, which I enjoyed Bavarian Sound Studio. I wasn't a big fan of it, uh, but you know that doesn't mean to say that they can't. You know this might not be something different. I like the premise of it, but the premise of In Fabric is <clears throat> it's 
it's kind of almost it's a comical homage to the films of the seven the 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 Italian horrors of the seventies and eighties and the Hammer films. It felt very much. Do you remember the TV show Tales of the Unexpected? Yes. You, you, yeah, I I'm feeling you might have been too young for it, but yeah. it reminded me a lot of that mm. and the ha- House of Hammer uh, TV show. Right. Um, where there was like kind of TV movies as opposed yeah. to like the kind of big releases. Well, the Hammer aspect. I mean, the the, the main the the plot the main plot <clears throat> takes place in this in well, is it eighties Britain? It's like, I, I th- it seems to me like it's the kind of it's early eighties Britain. Actually, it was early Britain. Was early eighties like Britain. It was like eighty four or something. Like that. Right. I'm sure yeah. they actually mentioned what date it is. Yeah, and it's not you know it's, it's not like a linear kind of film. It is more just there's a lot of like weird imagery, um, uh, the, the set like the the soundtrack and the actual kind of sound effects play a big part in creating this very f- mind fuckery. Uh, but but the plot is essentially about a department store which is run by the devil. Yeah. And he has witches working for him. Yeah, there's like... When, and they sell this woman a dress. That's haunted. That's haunted. Yeah. Um, and the dress goes, I'm a haunted dress, going to kill people. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't do that, but there's a lot of comic... And again, referencing like the old films, like the, the visual effects are... Sh- they look daft. Yeah. But it is an homage. You can absolutely tell it's some kind of comical homage. I couldn't work out if it was in just trying to be an out and out spoof. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know. It just it, it was definitely out. There's definitely a, it's, so just it's, some of the it's some comical. Of the, yeah, some of the writing is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh huh. Uh huh. But yeah, essentially what it is is this this uh, this woman gets this dress, and trouble starts to befall her, uh, and then. It go, it goes from that story and moves on to the next person that comes in contact with the stress, and again trouble befalls them, which again this is which was really strange because it was it was telling pretty much the same story yeah. twice, and you felt god you felt every minute of it. it it felt like it was on for four fucking hours yeah see as soon as like the first kind of person story kind of ended yeah and the second one started it was like oh fuck they're going to do a second story I'd kind of hoped that they were going to maybe do a like almost like a montage of this is how the dress has got to this point yeah yeah but yeah. no they just dove straight into this second story with a character who is even who you cared even less about? Yeah, and that was the that was the thing about it. It was you could kind of I, I kind of understood what they were trying to do with it, because um, as as we we're talking about, a lot of it was vet. There was a lot of laughs. It was very comical, and, and it was almost like Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Which would normally be a glowing review, but. This was not a good version. Of no, that. no. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place is a spoof, yeah. uh, whereas this you couldn't tell what this was. I mean, me and Neil left the, the cinema, and we really didn't really know what to make yeah. of it. I was like, I, I, there's bits I like about it. There's bits that are unnecessary. There's bits that are shit. There's but bits where I don't really know what this trying to say. I'm, it was a really I'm, confusing effort. I'm normally really forgiving of kind of a lot of wanky arty movies. Yeah. As long as like they're engaging enough, mm-hmm. but this just wasn't engaging in any way, so everything just felt really tedious. Yeah, like Neil said, it, it felt like you were watching an episode of a TV show. Yeah, 
um, like Tales of the Unexpected or whatever. So yeah, um, I again I'm, I'm having like a week, something like that, less than a week to think about it. No, it's over. It's been over a week. I really still don't know where I stand on it. I didn't hate it, but there's definitely bits about it I didn't like. But I didn't love it. But there's bits about it that I did like. So uh, yeah, you know, like, I'm again in the mix with it. Like it's, would I watch it again? It's not. No. It's not good. Yeah, and I would it's watch in it no again. way a good film. Mm. But there's a lot of moments where I laughed out loud. Mm-hmm. It's stuff which you probably weren't supposed to. Um, I don't know. A lot of it was fucking comical. Yeah. Uh, even when it might not but have been But yeah, I, I would never ever watch it again. And nah. I, I don't think I could even recommend it to anybody. No, I, I really don't know who... I, I Nobody comes to mind where I'm like, oh, that'd be perfect for this group of folk. Yeah, you because know? it's not even like... It's kind of like the the Suspiria debate mm. of I can understand why people like the new one. Yeah. They're just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really know... Yeah, I, yeah, as I said, so it's a confusing it's, effort. So it's like there's art wank for everybody, but this is art wank for nobody. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think this is the kind of thing where if someone who only wants to watch British indie movies would probably <laughs> God, enjoy you imagine this. that person's life? They must be lame. <laughs> um, probably watch bullshit like yesterday all the time. I went and watched yesterday. I forgot. Mm. Yeah, I forgot to note that down because was it a big empty experience. Of yeah. Why do these bands still exist? Because the Beatles didn't exist. Yeah. Why okay. is there an Oasis? Why is there a? Cold oh no, play? there is no Oasis. That's all right. Okay, that's, then why is there a Coldplay? Why is there an Ed Sheeran? Yeah. Yeah. It's like fuck that film. Man. Um. Yeah. So yesterday is directed by Danny Boyle, written by Richard Curtis. Oh wait, you actually did go and see it. Oh yeah, no, I went and watched <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, I went and watched it. Um. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, I said directed by Danny Boyle, who I like, uh, Richard Curtis, I like as well. And the concept being is a str- this struggling musician who um, is kind of giving up on his dream, uh, even though his uh, road manager and person that is secretly fancied him from high school is like, no, you shouldn't. You've got so much talent and whatnot. Uh, something ha- like then on the on the way home from a festival. Uh, where he's played nobody's bothered and he's thinking about giving up something happens where uh, there's a world there's a blackout worldwide supposedly by solar flares that's what the, the kind of newspaper headline says but they don't go into it it's just something happens then the boy wakes up after being hit by a bus and discover, and then discovers that the Beatles do not exist anymore along with cigarettes Coca-Cola and something else. I can't remember what it is. But there's certain things how, that just... How very 2019 fags and coke. So, yeah, things like that don't um, exist anymore. Um, but the Beatles being the main thing because uh, when he gets out of hospital, his friends ask him to play a song and he plays Yesterday and they think it's amazing. Uh, he explains, uh, oh, the Beatles wrote it, John, Paul, George and Ringo. They had no idea what he's talking about. So he decides... Is he going to do this? This is a road. This is an easy road to fame. It also means that the Beatles' music can be, you know, alive. But he does. Okay, cr- here, here's a question. Okay. Right. Does the film specifically say that this guy knows every Beatles song off by heart? No, he. Because if the Beatles didn't exist in this world, there would be no record of their music 
for him to learn. No, well, because he's like a huge music fan, he remembers most of it. But then, or is he like a musical savant? No, 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 not that. He just, he's just, he's a musician. So it's just poor writing. It's he's a musician in the sense that he remembers a lot of their songs, but he even has to go to Liverpool and go visit the. the grave of Eleanor Rigby because he can't remember the lyrics and he goes he has to go visit Strawberry Fields because he can't remember them but it kind of it jolts oh, his memory sounds for it sounds like the worst fucking film yeah uh, and then there's other films where it's, uh, sorry there's other tunes where he's like oh shit I can't remember that but then he remembers it and he's like right I need to write that down and remember that and to remember how it goes but basically what happens is he becomes a, a kind of a YouTube sensation of and, course of course he does and uh, none other than Ed Sheeran sees it and is impressed uh, and he comes and says, like, you come on tour with me. And he's like, what's your process? I can't. And then he's like, I don't know how you do it. Ed Sheeran comes off like a bit, Ed, Ed Sheeran comes off a bit of an arsehole in this. I mean, I know he's kind of sending himself up, but he's so impressed by this guy writing these this genius music that he wants to know is, how's he doing it? And he's just coming off the cuff with it to the point where at one point Ed Sheeran says, right, let's have a, let's have a, a, a let's have a, 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 a song off, I guess, where, Ed Sheeran goes in a room for 10 minutes and then this guy goes in a room for 10 minutes and then they're going to come out and play a song they've just came up with and we'll see who's the better one. And then, of course, the guy does the better song because some Beatles tune, I can't remember which one, and Ed Sheeran pretty much says, oh, wow, that was fantastic. Uh, you're, I'm clearly the Salieri to mo- your Mozart. And I was like, <sighs> I was like, oh, God, you referenced you, refer- you referenced Amadeus. I'm like, really? Is that where you're, is that where you're supposed to be in this, Ed Sheeran? But then... Throughout the f- then there's at any f- point in cinema or the real world, if Ed Sheeran thinks he is as good as Mozart, I don't want to live in this world anymore. In this film, it's as if they portray that he is almost it's like he's one of the best songwriters of his generation. Oh Christ! But anyway, so kind of rewind back a wee bit. And the main character is like, okay, am I going to do this? So he does. He embraces the fact that he knows the Beatles music and um, he becomes a sensation. He gets a Kate McKinnon who plays this... Um, she, as if she plays the devil because she's this record producer but she's like so soulless and cold and terrible and she's kind of like the co- the, the, the cartoon version of the machine if you will right, uh, yeah. and they're like right we need to make you your image is rubbish we need to make you this and we're going to call yeah we, we're going to call the album this and you have to look like this this is we're going to sell records and the whole time the guy's like you know I'm, I'm a fraud and I know it but is this right is this wrong uh, and then Stuff happens, but he ends up in he ends up kind of redeeming himself in the end. Um, I thought the in terms of direction, in terms of how it looks, it's a good looking movie. I like Danny Boyle. Uh, but the problem with it is I don't really like any of the characters in it. The main character is very arrogant. He moans a lot. Um, the love story, or kind of lack thereof between him and his road manager slash best friend for years is is there, is there a moment late on in the film where he realises that oh what I've wanted in life has been in front of me all the time yep oh god nah. it's a Richard Curtis movie of course it's oh, no, I forgot it was Richard Curtis so you kind of it's and again she's like his road manager and wants him to be really successful and she's like you should never give up your dream and then when his dream kind of does happen, she almost gives him the choice of, it's either the dream or me. And I'm like, you've just really kind of, everything you're saying right now is hip- hypocritical of what your character's been to this point. 
and that's why I'm like, right, well, now I, I don't really, th- I don't really give a fuck about you now. So I really didn't Wait, care about anyone the, throughout the whole film. I swear, there's a kind of this is a kind of deep cut of there's a bit in the Devil Wears Prada which is like that. The Devil Wears Prada is a good movie. Uh, it's a good, it's a good movie. I really like the Devil Wears Prada, uh, where Anne Hathaway gets the job that she wants, and everything's going really well for her and her boyfriend who. I'm trying to remember who plays her boyfriend. It's, I can't remember. Uh, is really shitty about it because she's doing better than he is. And immediately you just go, well, you're obviously the cunt in this situation. Mm. And you just don't care about him for the rest of the film. Well, the girlfriend... Well, sorry, the road manager in this at one point just says, um, it's always been you. For 13 years it's been you. Um, like, now you're going off to Los Angeles to be successful, but... You know, are you going to do that or you want to come back with me and we'll make a go of this? And he's like, well... Why, why can't she go to Los Angeles? Because she's a teacher. She's got commitments at home. Aye, but he's, like ma- he's making big bucks. Not, fuck, fuck your kids. I was kind of like... Uh, the, the thing, the concept of this film belongs in the 80s. It's a very kind of 80s kind of concept. Uh, and it's very fantastical. A lot of it doesn't make sense. It's a fairy tale in many ways. The problem is, I just don't think there's anybody very likable in it. And that's, that's where the... The problem that's where the, that's the main problem yeah you, you're need supposed have, you need to, to have somebody to root for you're supposed to care about these folk and then in the end you're supposed to be well the main character kind of he comes alright in the end and he kind of redeems himself but at that point but to that point I'm like yeah but I, I still don't really like you yeah you, you just moaned most of this film and you've kind of you just kind of rubbed people up the wrong way that cared about you and I don't know I just there was a lot the, the writing suffers from it the writing's a really big problem about it it looks fine you like the Beatles music you'll enjoy this film um, but yeah you need for this kind of fairy tale you, concept you need to care about the characters and I just didn't so ultimately I wouldn't recommend it unless I, I, one, I've got a question about the end of that film but I'll ask you when we're off right. there uh, I think if you are an aspiring musician or a musician indeed you may enjoy this you may appreciate the fact that it's uh, it, it is about popular music and about being a musician and artistic merit etc but I just or if you just don't care about what you watch I just what you spend what you spend your time doing I didn't care I didn't care about this film I wanted to like it because I, I I quite liked it I liked the the high concept fairy tale idea of it um, it just didn't work in the writing or the character arcs so there you go that was that was yesterday don't bother uh, now coming to another film that I was really looking forward to Midsummer. I was wondering if we were going to do this now or do that last but we'll do yeah Sp- we'll do Spider-Man last yeah Spider-Man's kind of end on a high Midsummer is the follow up uh, by director writer Ari Aster who did Hereditary which was one of if not the best film of last year um, and this is his follow up uh, stars Florence Pugh, uh, Will Poulter, and Jack Rayner. And the concept being, sorry, <clears throat> brief plot synopsis um, f- a group of folk, a group of American early 20s folk, go to Sweden because one of their party is a native and says that there is a big festival happening. It only happens ninety year every ninety years, so they are going to go to this festival and enjoy a bit of that culture. And things aren't what they seem. When you watch the trailer, immediately you start thinking about the Wicker Man. If you have ever watched any cultist or kind of folk horror 
you immediately know the main beats of this film. Absolutely. Because it uh, follows every single one of them. Yeah. Again, Ari Aster being like, Hereditary being what it was, uh, and the trailer for Hereditary was like, well, fuck, the trailer does not give away what the, 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 the way that film goes. The problem with uh, Midsummer is it goes exactly how you think it's going to go. I, I was fine about this when I came out of it, and that it's it's kind of a problem with the genre, mm. or that section of the genre. The cult horror is, genre. Is that there is only really a way it can go. It's very hard to subvert yeah. the tropes of that genre. Yeah. Like you can mess around with them in terms of how you build up, but eventually you're still going to come to roughly the same conclusion where yeah. the outsiders get their just desserts yeah and that the thing is I'm like okay I can understand that because this film is a mix of Ken Russell's The Devils and The yeah, Wicker Man yeah I can see where you're getting that from and The Wicker well, Man yeah. that's, that is what it is it's got a lot of um, really disturbing visuals uh, I, I didn't even find that much of it I don't, I don't know how much of it is that I'm kind of desensitised to the horror genre hmm. but I didn't really find that much of it disturbing I, again, I th- well, there's some there's some really nice gore. Yeah, I think I think it's because it's an 18 rated film, which is always nice to see because it means that you know the gloves are off and there's a lot that can how, do. How much it. of that though is just because you see a man's big willy swinging in the wind? Uh, there is that, but there is some there's a, there's a nice bit of gore in it as well. Uh, I I don't think there's any gore in it which you couldn't get through in a 15. I think it's that film's an 18. Purely because of that sex scene, you reckon? Eh? Yeah, because there's like so much full frontal nudity. Nudity. Mm, so that's why that film's an eighteen. Yeah, I could be an argument for it. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, uh, I uh, the what I kind of liked about Hereditary and the, the idea is Ari Aster seems to be this director where he goes for the horror genre, but he goes for a psychological thriller. He's more. He's more, you want to leave the cinema with kind of feeling a bit disturbed rather than, oh yeah, cool, I, 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 I yelped at that jump scare. You know, it's not more that, it's more the idea of like, you, like your things like The Shining where it's not, there's not, there's not a huge body count, but it's more, it, it fucks with you. It's, it's very much a more international style of horror. Yeah. And that it, it builds up tension as yeah. opposed to... An just, atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to just going, ooh, ooga booga, oh, here's a yeah. spooky ghost. Correct. And I think that we're missing a lot of that, especially in Western horror. I think I think we need to do more of that because you get garbage like The Nun and fucking Annabelle and shit where all it is is they rely on jump scares and it's cheap and you completely forget about it by the end of the film. Anyway, I'm, di- I'm digressing. So, Silent those are the films that make money though because they are unfortunately um, people are stupid I, but that's why I hope Midsummer <laughs> does make the money because it's like well do you know what maybe the, yo, this, this kind of horror makes money as well um, but yeah um, so initial thoughts I was and again maybe it's because I was so hyped because I watched Hereditary it was good but I was slightly disappointed with Midsummer. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's a really good looking movie. It's really well produced in the sense that Ari Aster is trying to create this kind of environment with these kind of, these all this kind of f- fucked up things going on. The problem is the characters are shit in, in terms of the way they're written. 
Now, maybe it's because of the acting, because the acting is really poor, I think, especially from Jack Rayner, where the characters are almost... Will Poulter's character is a cliché to the max. He's just there to be a smart arse. He says a smart arse thing every now and then that makes folk giggle, and something bad happens to him. Jack Rayner's character is, well, basically, he's playing the boyfriend of Florence Pugh. Now, Florence Pugh has a bit of a... She has a hard fucking time of it at the start of this film. Um, she's got a lot of family trouble. Um, she's in a relationship where she doesn't really know where she stands with Jack Rayner. Jack Rayner looks like he's maybe wanting to break up with her, but then something really... He, he totally like... I'm just going to put this out there. Yeah. See, at the start of that film, yeah. Jack Rayner totally should have split with her. He should, yes. Yeah, because um, as soon as the bad thing happens, yeah. tragedy that's, be- him, that's him fucking locked in. Tragedy befalls Florence Pugh and he can't really break up with her. It's that kind of scenario. And in doing that... He's going on a kind of lads, ladsy kind of holiday, and uh, he feels that he needs to invite her because she's going through a lot of stuff, and it's mentioned in her presence, and she didn't know about it, so he's kind of put in awkward position. So she's asked along, and then the boys have to make her like she was always welcome, yeah. and uh, then they go along. There's a lot of uh, drug taking and narcotics involved uh, within the the cult community. Uh, well, certainly with them anyway. And that's what that's when again Neil was saying about that kind of genre. You see the beats and the the build yeah. up of where it's going, given that it's a festival and there's certain things that are celebrated and there's certain people that are anointed with these positions, etc., etc. And the, immediately you know where it's yeah. going. The pro, but again, my thing is, I just didn't like a lot of the way the acting was. I didn't like the character arcs. Um, I thought that that took a back like that those key points took a back seat to the creating this atmosphere which it does really well and it's very comical as well it's a very funny movie there's a lot of stuff where yeah. I'm laughing at this but am I supposed to be laughing at this because it's really fucking it's, it's hilarious but is it supposed to be hilarious or is it just shittily done? No, I, I found it was quite darkly comic yeah. in a lot of places because it was taking. I thought it was taking quite a good stab at the whole kind of wellness culture mm-hmm. that we're in now mm. and these kind of crazy retreats that people go on where they sit and scream at each other and things like that. Yeah. I thought it kind of parodied the, these things quite well. well um, I'm kind of the same with you in that I had the expectations because Hereditary was so good and trailers for this looked really good, even though you could kind of get the gist of what was going what was going on in them. Yes. Um, and yes, it's it's a very well made film. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks it looks amazing. There's some really nice visual tricks that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see when they're tripping, balls yeah, like, and you see like, oh shit! Did they, as, as a as a as an audience member, as like, a, as a rep- fucking turkey move. <laughs> as, as, a, as a representation of psychedelics. I think it's probably one of the best I've seen on film. Okay. Even just like kind of wee bits where like um, there's a bit where she's wearing this kind of crown thing mm-hmm. and there's just one flower on it which keeps kind of opening and closing. Yeah. yeah. And you're watching it as a four, from the fourth back behind the fourth wall mm. but it kind of that kind of draws you kind of into stuff mm. and there's a lot of wee touches like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the characters, like everything about them were just they were real. They were all shitty people. Yeah. Who got shittier as it went as on. it went on mm-hmm. to the point where, like, I I think this film's about 20, 20 minutes too long. 
I would agree you with can, that. You it, could it, easily it, like yeah. it's, it's almost two and a half hours long. Yeah, you easily you, shaved. You, you feel it. You, you could have easily have shaved a couple of the subplots out of it because they were amazingly unnecessary. You could have got to certain things yeah. quicker than what you did. Yeah. yeah, and that's I think that's kind of the one of the drawbacks of it being a very well made film. Yeah, and in terms of how it looks, like it, it looks amazing. However. There's a lot of shots which linger for just that wee bit too long. I would agree with that. There's a lot of kind of B-roll which just mm-hmm. is really unnecessary. We get it. They're a weirdo commune See, in the middle the of thing. nowhere. It, it gets that point where you're like, right, we know there, we know there's a weirdo, we know there's some shit going on. Yeah. And then it just, it's like, right, we're already here. We already know there's some fucking messed up shit going on here. But then for a good, like, see when a character is given a position and it's ultimately what the film's been leading yeah. to. It's like, God almighty, it lingers for about 25 yeah. minutes. And you're like, but where you, are we going with this? You, we, we feel like we've been in the same scene for 25 fucking minutes. Even even when it gets to that point where it's like, okay, this is your third act. This is where all the turns happen. You find out what's going to go. Yeah. By that point in time, it's like, I don't really care. Yeah. Like, didn't. You've, my done, you've, you've, you've done nothing to make me care about any of these couples surviving. Yeah. You've got nothing to make me care about like, Florence Pugh's character as a human being because she's just shitty the whole way through it. Yeah, she pouts like fuck. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, she does have a lot of tragedy in her life, but oh, fuck it, I really just couldn't fucking engage she, with it's just, she's she's got, she's got very little charisma. Yeah. She's, she's just not a good actress. I thought she was alright in fighting with my family, but still. But that's that's that should have been a Channel Four hour long special. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, like I enjoyed fighting with my family, mm-hmm. but if that had been on, but the, how did it make the cinemas? Yeah, right, that okay. should never have been a cinema. Right. Um, and again, we talk about the Wicker Man comparisons. You watch so, the Wicker Man. The thing is, see where like Edward Woodward's character. You really do feel from at the end because he's genuinely just a guy trying to do his job. Yeah. And he could, he's completely duped by a really horrible situation. And then the last, like, 50 minutes of The Wicker Man is watching someone knowing that there's 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 no going back. Yeah. It's like there is no escape for them and this is going to happen. And you're basically watching this horrible, really... It, it, it feels like you're you're watching it forever. Where he, but in a good way, where he's been led to the Wicker Man. Yeah, he's been burned well, to the Wicker Man, and they're laughing and dancing at the end of it. You're like, fuck. There, there is the elements. There is elements of that in that uh, in Midsummer, mm-hmm. but by the end of it, it's like uh, I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah. But there's there's a choice which is made, which you see coming a mile away. Yeah, um, and again, you're just like, <laughs> and the way that they film that kind of closing couple of shots mm. of all right, shitty person just remains a shitty person and for shit for really shitty reasons. Yeah, but has a smile on her face because of it. It's like, <laughs> it's like, what are you trying to say here, Aster? Are are you trying to make? Is this some big commentary where you've tried to subvert the genre tropes of, oh, they've accepted the fate, but they're happy about it. Or is this? Or I'm sure there'll be like a million Guardian think pieces of, oh, this is this is probably about toxic masculinity getting destroyed by the Me Too movement. 
I mean, I don't know. See, what I took from it was, and again, I'm... I want to know what it's trying to say. I'm going to try <laughs> and not spoil it. I'm going to try and pick my words very carefully here. All the way through the film, there is this sense of someone... Like, a character needs a sense of belonging. They need a family. They need... They essentially need to feel like they belong or important and loved. And then by the end of this film, it's as if they're trying to say they are... They're here, and it's the most fucked up thing possible. But yet they've accepted it because they are so. They're kind of, but they're still in this mist of trauma and psychological fucking hurt. But by the end of it, it's like it's all right because I'm now at home because I have a family. And you're like, it, I, but I didn't. Think- it, it, it very much means that similar uh, vein that Hereditary does, where it's kind of about. People, how do people deal with PTSD? Yeah, 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 yeah. And but where Hereditary uh, succeeds in doing that, Tony Collette's performance. Tony Collette's performance is exactly it. That she's so good at carrying it. That, yeah. that it's so believable that the, that that kind of level of madness would happen. And mm-hmm. this, you're shown that the character before the major tragedy happens to her. Mm-hmm. You're totally given the impression that she's a really shitty person to begin with. Mm. So by the time that the tragedy happens, and you're supposed to go, "Oh well, she's had this tragedy happen," you're supposed to kind of feel sorry for her. It's hard to then, when you reach that climax, where it's like, "Oh, but she's found peace in this family, even though it's been this horrible stuff to get there." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, but she was a shitty person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody like, wins. Yeah, nobody wins. Yeah, that's the thing, and that. And that is it again. That's like the key difference is you. You by the end of it, you're like, I'm not shocked because of what's going on. It's more just, oh well, it's over now, and I didn't care about MD. Yeah, I didn't care about MD. I liked the atmosphere that was created, even though it felt like it lingered like fuck for a long time. Yeah, but the society and the atmosphere that's created. Sorry, the atmosphere that's created amongst this little commune. You it does suck you in. Some of the visuals are impressive, but ultimately, if you don't care about any of these characters, one, there's no redemption, and two, you don't give a fuck who dies or whatever. You know what I mean? You just don't care. Yeah, a lot, a lot of characters are just they're like, I don't want to say cannon fodder. It's the wrong kind of term for it, but you know what I mean. They're, yeah, they're, again, they're there just to be removed. Yeah, again, I don't want to come. Again, it's hard not to compare this to Wicker Man, but as I said, Edward Woodward's character is drawn to uh, Summer Isle on the, the idea that a child has been either murdered or kidnapped. so And then in amongst that, it's revealed why he's really there and the fact that he was lured there. and But the people of Summer Isle believe what they're doing is right. They, they really believe that, it, that this their, their kind of livelihood depends on it. Well, you get the same thing in this, where they're so they're entrenched in their traditions that Lore, this, this yeah. festival has to happen. Mm. But... That was an issue I had with it, where it's like they keep going about how this festival only happens every ninety years. Why? Yeah, you you get no kind of you don't get any lore mm-hmm. to why they're doing this. Because mm-hmm. that that was one of my things watching the trailer. It was either going to be Wicker Man or it was going to be some kind of big Eldritch God type thing. Yeah, but as it played out, it was Wicker Man. Yeah, yeah. So why? Is it only every 90 years that they do this? Mm-hmm. When they show you, when there's bits where there's like, here's pictures of the Midsummer, uh, the May, May, Mayfest Queen or whatever it is they do, yeah. of every year, 
So surely some kind of festivals happen every year. Why is this one only 90 years? It's it kind of... It, it was a film that had, I think, had a lot of good ideas. Yeah. Which, bizarrely, for a two and a half hour runtime, were just were not explored. Yeah, and then come the last 20 minutes when... What like two characters are their their fates are sealed. It ends up coming down to uh, almost uh, uh oh my god, I can't believe you betrayed me, right? Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> hell it, half it's, hell half no it's, it's be like a woman scorn kind most, of thing. It's the most petty reasons yeah. that that the the way it plays out plays yeah. out. Yeah, it and is it's, petty. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's shitty any way you look at it, but the way it, the way, the reasons the way it plays out, you're like this feels really, like you said, petty and cheap. Yeah. Uh, I wanted a greater meaning to it, but then you go again. I'm, I'm we're, sure we're, I, we're, we're, we're talking a lot about a lot about it, but it, it's it's still worth a what I will watch yeah, this well, film again. Maybe I'll have a better, maybe not better sense. Maybe I'll have a different opinion second time round. I think it's because, as I said, I was really hyped up because I really enjoyed Hereditary and I felt a bit underwhelmed watching this, even though I, it is still a well-made film. But maybe if I watch it again, I'll have something else to it. So I, even though we're, we're kind of being critical about it, it's still worth a watch because th- this there is an audience for this film. And, uh, yeah, I, just, I mean, it's still probably one of the better films I've seen in a long time. Yeah, that, I, that's, yeah that, I, 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 I wrote that in... Uh, I, I wrote that to, or sorry, I said that to a friend. I says the thing is, I was underwhelmed, but it's still head and shoulders above yeah. anything that uh, Western horror slash psychological thrillers have given us in a while. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's and that's what I'm saying is, even though I was underwhelmed by this one, you know, the next film by Ari Aster, I'll happily watch because I'm like, yeah, that's a name that I, uh, that's a that's a filmmaker that is doing something that I think that the, the this genre uh, in this part of the world absolutely needs. Uh, and we should be seeing more of it. But there you go. Um, so that was Midsummer. So that brings us on to, I guess, the film of the week. Um, no, the film of last week. <laughs> the film, of, yeah. Sorry, yeah. The film of last week, yeah. Um, the film of last week, and the last Marvel film of the year, and that is Spider Man: Far From Home. I think this is uh, this is even though Endgame happened, this is the official end of this phase. Yeah, this is kind of the epilogue. Yeah. Kind of love it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Neil, do you want to give us a quick synopsis about the old Spider Man Far From Home? It is Peter Parker's European vacation, is what Spider Man Far From Home is. Okay, uh, it's post um, it's post Endgame. Uh, so Tony, Tar- Tony Stark's dead. Uh, all the people have been returned. Uh, people who got caught up in the snap have returned at their same age however everyone who carried on are now five years older so there's a bit of dynamic change in that um spider-man gets given a pair of gags by uh, nick fury saying that uh, tony stark left this to you it's for an amazingly super problematic orbital defense system. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, because because Iron Man and Spider Man and it's their relationship. You're like, why the yeah, fuck would you give this the, to Peter Parker? Yeah, you're giving a high school a student. Child. You're giving a high a school child student it. something like a fucking Death Star. Um, 
But all Peter Parker wants to do is go on his schools, uh, summer vacation. Forget about being Spider Man. So he can forget about being Spider Man, hang with his pals, and try and get his hole. Yeah, he's um, he's embracing the fact that he quite likes Mary Jane, and he thinks she maybe likes him. Um, again, in the same spirit of Homecoming, um, there's a lot of nice chemistry with the characters. Tom Holland is a very likable Peter Par- Parker. Um, and you like MJ, you like his pals, uh, you like a lot of things that it, are going it's, on. It's a light-hearted romp. Yeah. At least for the first half of that film. Yeah. And again, obviously, like Peter Parker is going to various uh, cities and it's revealed who is funding these uh, holidays, which again, you kind of see coming and it's great. Yeah, but, like, but like there's um, elementals have appeared uh, and they're destroying towns. Uh, so Big Mysterio... Has come from another dimension. Yeah, because uh, the water, uh, the Hydro Man, if you will, I think, is the elemental of that effort is destroying Venice. Um, so he's come from his other dimension because that Earth's ruined, and he's here to help our uh, Earth six one six stop these elementals. Yeah, because he he's he lost loved ones as a result of this, yeah. and uh, it opens the idea that there are various dimensions, and uh, the MCU is kind of. Hinted it's, at a, that. it's a multiverse. Yeah, a multiverse, yeah. yeah. So it's that way the MCU has hinted at it, and the fact that uh, this is kind of confirmed, well, it confirms it to a degree. Well, does it? Well, I don't, I don't, film, I don't want to say Tommy. anything. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to say, yeah. I don't want to say anything, but I remember seeing the trailer for this and thinking it looks okay, but it looks pretty cheap, and I was more than sad. This, yeah. this surpassed the expectations. Well, the, what? As I kind of said, it's a light-hearted romp for the first half of the film. Mm-hmm. The first half of the film, I agree with you, where uh, it kind of, kind of, it looks a wee bit cheap. It's a wee bit kind of dumb. Mm. It feels, it feels very, very comic booky. Oh, absolutely. And uh, and a kind of almost schlocky kind of way, um, like kind of Saturday morning cartoon style way. It isn't a bad thing. No. And I enjoyed the first half of it. Yeah, because but, Mysterio's a really hard character. He is such a comic booky character. Yeah. You're like, how do you explain him in this MCU because of who he is in the cartoons yeah. and that? But then the second half of it, and it get it goes a bit darker, mm-hmm. and they use a lot more kind of visual tricks. Uh in some amazing sequences. I agree, yeah. Uh, because of because of the characters mm-hmm. of Mysterio, mm-hmm. uh, that it's, it was better than I thought it was ever going to be. I agree. Um, I didn't really know how they were... I mean, obviously, Jake Gyllenhaal being cast, you're like, okay, credible, fantastic actor. Very difficult villain to put into this MCU, but what they do is really good. Yeah. They tie him well in with the lore, and it... The film, certainly by its set, well, you know, yeah, it's kind of all the way through it because Happy Hogan's in it. But again, if you haven't seen Endgame, sorry, but here's a spoiler. Because Iron Man's dead. I've already. You have, that, right? So yeah, don't sorry. Worry, I spoiled that. Yeah, whilst I, I was getting know. my juice. So yeah. basically, Iron Man is dead. So a lot of this film is about Peter Parker discovering the potential that Iron Man and a lot of folk already seen that he had. And a lot of this. It's very it's about him taking that mantle. It's it's very much exploring that notion, which they kind of did in the first one, of Peter Parker needing a father figure. Yeah. Um, 
where it was Tony Stark in the first one and this one he kind of gravitates towards Mysterio yeah um, but again there's a lot of Iron Man chat in it in the sense that like he's given he's given these amazing spectacles that have so much fucking power <laughs> and you're like yep this is great and that but why the fuck would you give him a, a teenager this but the idea being that is like you know Tony kind of seen him a bit of himself in Peter in the sense that he's young he's brilliant maybe he needs a bit of direction and the film kind of carries that on where like you said there's the father figure but then there's the the kind of Spider-Man almost really realising his potential and what he can do and what he needs to do um, it's like Iron Man 3 <laughs> no uh, and, uh, well, but, that's a film about Tony Stark realising he's Iron Man he doesn't need the suit yeah and dealing with PTSD I guess but anyway <laughs> um, it was it was yeah I thought it was a lot better than what I thought it was going to be I, I, I not to say Homecoming's a really good movie at this point, it's you just have to trust Marvel because they kind of know what they're doing. Um, well, I, Homecoming for me was a Marvel B picture, right? Much, much the same as like your, um, like your Black Panthers is a B picture, Doctor Strange is a B picture, mm. um, Captain Marvel's a B picture, mm-hmm. uh, Far From Home is an is an A picture. Yeah, I would give it that, man. Uh, Again, like Neil said, very interesting visuals, um, a lot of nice character work, uh, even from Nick Fury, because uh, again, you're like, well, I mean, what else can they do with them? Um, there are two credit post-credit sequences, uh, post-credit scenes. One of them is one of the best post-credit scenes of any Marvel film. I, I shot my eggs. Yeah, when that bit happened. That bit happened, but it then was so fan servicey. Yeah, but it was fucking amazing. It was amazing. We all. I, I, I kind of I, I grinned from ear to ear when it happened but that happens and then something follows on from it where you're like which is also really which good. is yeah. fucking is excellent you're like really cool I, give us that third instalment I can't wait Um, so yeah it was excellent in that respect and again as I said Tom Holland is great as Peter he's charming you like him you like Mary Jane even like the wee dickhead characters that they've got their place and whatnot. So Marvel just seems yeah, to know like, what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like for a, for such a young cast, no one they're not annoying. No one's annoying. No, and everybody everybody has a solid role. Yeah, there's no one really. They, they don't have any like hangers on. No, no. Uh, so yeah, um, very like again, very surprised I was yeah. at how much I enjoyed this. Uh, so. If you're, a, I mean, I think Paco will love it. Yeah, like, I think I know, pa- he's a he's a I massive Spider Man fan, will be into it, yeah. and I think he'll be well into it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, again, absolutely recommend it. Even, even if you're not that into the Marvel uh, universe, it's still worth it. Like Neil said, it's a nice wee romp. It, it's worth it's worth going to see it because it kind of gives you an idea of where they're maybe going to go mm-hmm. with the next next phase. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I thought Gyllenhaal was great in it. Yeah, no, I thought he was really good. Uh, I thought he was well cast. Yeah, he was very well cast. Uh, he did really well as Quinton Beck. Yeah, and like the kind of both sides of it, he plays really well. Mhm, mhm. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not really much else to say from it. Uh, no, no, yeah, I really very, very much enjoyable. Uh, a cut above uh, some of the other Marvel movies that we've seen recently. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. It, it's it's very much. 
it's very much a summer movie. Oh, absolutely. Well. Yeah. It's the whole, not just the fact that it's got that summer blockbuster look, it is yeah. a Marvel film. It's but like it, it, summer vacation yeah, thing it, about it as well, yeah. There is kind of that kind of old kind of National yeah. Lampoon-esque kind of summer vacation movies kind ah, of thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the two, the two guys that play the two teachers who are like the chaperones, I believe one of them was in Silicon Valley. And one was Leon from Curb Your Enthusiasm. That, that's correct. Yeah. Um, What's his name? He's got a cool name. It's like, um, He's got a really cool name. Is it, I want to say like DJ Holly or something like that, but it's not. I can't, well, I'm um, not too sure. Um, they're, they're both really good in the kind of limited roles that they have, but they're kind of like the, they're like the comedy fall guys to a certain degree in it. Yeah, and again, and it works. Yeah, at no point do you think I've had enough of these guys. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, they kind of there's a couple of like nice visual comedy from them again, yeah. not too slapsticky, and there's a couple of cool lines that they bounce off each other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I, as I said, there, there's not really much else to say about it. Um, uh, Kobe Smolders kind of takes a nice paycheck for just, no, can't really do anything, you know. So fair play to her in that respect. Uh, I, I like the fact that she or she. She's got a presence, but she doesn't do anything. There's no real need yeah. for her other than she's there because Nick Fury's there. Yeah. Um, the uh, the second post credit sequence is actually quite cool as well because there's a couple of times in this film where I'm like, well, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right, or that doesn't seem right, and then there's one particular character where I thought this character seems off, and I don't know what it is, and then the second post credit scene was like. Ah, that's actually really clever. It's quite a lot of information there, Tommy, for a film that people may not have seen. Uh, I but yeah, I'm just saying that both credit, post credit scenes were uh, are worth it. Um, yeah, they are. They stay to the end. JB Smooth. JB Smooth, and you was like it. a a letters and then a name. Yeah, letters and a name. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I think that'll about do it this week. Uh, join us next week when we'll have seen Jaws, but won't talk too much about it. I'll probably talk about Jaws because I'll take any opportunity to talk about Jaws. Oh, we'll talk about it. We just uh, there, there won't be. I mean, we talked about it quite a bit, but you know, I'm sure there'll be load, there'll be stuff to talk about. Uh, I'll, have, I'll have had Murray Hamilton's amazing suits on the big screen to talk about. Hopefully, oh God, I uh, yeah. Um, Jim Jarmusch's um, the dead the dead don't die. Um, oh, yeah, is out uh, Annabelle Far From Home okay. <laughs> <laughs> fucking I don't know third Annabelle so Annabelle Come Home Annabelle, Annabelle Comes Home whatever the fuck it means I, I'll probably watch that I've seen, I, I've seen I, the other two I don't know I, I was I contemplated maybe watching it tonight because I've got fuck all else on so I may watch I will watch that uh, come the next time we do a show so I will watch that Jim Jermush's effort Jaws and Whatever else is out, I'm sure. I I don't want to go watch Anna though. Yeah, I've got zero interest in watching a fucking another Luc Besson. Oh, here's my model de jour who can kick people in the face movie. Yeah, it's like when it's like oh, from who the director from the director of Leon and Lucy comes Anna, and you're like I don't yeah. fucking care anymore. You have, I mean, I like, I mean, Luke Besson's made some great movies, but he has not he's been not, interesting. He's not, he's, not, he's not made great movies in a long he time. He has not been interesting for fucking ages, and it still baffles my mind that Lucy made the money it did. Mind, mind that time he raped that lassie, allegedly. Oh, God. Oh, fuck, yeah. Oh, that's right. Allegedly. Jesus. Anyway, on that bombshell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, like, share, and subscribe. Yeah. Uh, you'll find us on uh, SoundCloud iTunes it does work 
just get it checked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you should really try and get us on Spotify or some other network so we can spread the word a wee bit more. Yeah. Uh, as per usual, you'll find us on Facebook as well, Twitter, Twitter. At, at Raptors in the Kitchen. At Raptors Podcast. At Raptors Podcast. Uh, at Vast Destruction. Neil's at Scorch AOA. Paco is at Paco RUK. If, send, send him abuse. Yeah, he, he's in Spain, man. You know, just maybe send him a message saying, hey, man, you 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 still not kidnapped. You all right? Um, but anyway, nobody ever sends a shit on Twitter anyway, so it's fine. Yeah. It doesn't matter. No, no, no I've, I've put stuff on Facebook before and thought, oh, everybody's pure giving a ring at this. And then when you go into the, like, your page and it's the stats and things like that, mm-hmm. it goes, oh, you've got... The, like this a number and it's in red and it's like these are replies and it's like oh people have messaged us and replied to us yeah. why do we not get notifications of this yeah it's weird you know? anyway but yeah that'll do it for this week so join us next week and that is Raptors in the Kitchen